Welcome back to Baghdadiyah. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Wesan Al-Khudairi, an Iraqi curator born in Kuwait who specializes in modern and contemporary art from the Arab world. She has held a number of different roles at multiple institutions, including being the first ever director of the Mathaf Museum in Qatar. In 2017, she was appointed chief curator of the Contemporary Art Museum St. Louis, and more recently, she's been selected to be one of the focus curators of the 2021 Armory Show. Al-Khudairi's background in art and the perspective it gives her is as worldly as her personal history, and so I hope you are just excited as I am to get the chance to hear her speak today. So, thank you. Um, and I guess I'll just jump right into it then. So, I... Um, clearly did some research before meeting with you here today. Um, and I noticed that you've mentioned uh, Salwa Mekdadi's um, exhibition, Focus of Change, Artists in the Arab World, um, and how that had a great impact on you. And so I was wondering if you could speak a little bit further about um, what sort of like impact that really was on you and how it propelled your um, future journey into the art world. So. Yeah, so I, um, you know, I didn't really like grow up like, I didn't know, what you know about what you want to do. I, in high school, um, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I, I liked art, but I had never considered it as a career. Um, but my mom was always making art at home, different kinds of art. We always went to art museums whenever we traveled. Um, and, you know, so I, I grew up going not just to art museums, but like museums. I remember even as a kid, sometimes you would be like, mom, are you making us do this? But, you know, now as an adult, you know, I realized that all of those were really formative moments for me. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's like funny to keep mentioning my mom, but she's such an important part of my life. And she, you know, she was really involved in a lot of different, you know, I think what happens like when you leave your home and you leave your country. And when we came to the U.S., I was nine years old. Um, I had a sister who was two years younger than me. And when we first moved, my mom was pregnant with my youngest sister. So my youngest sister was born in the US. And my parents didn't really know people. They didn't have really connections in the US. So when they came, when they came, they were not only like, do they not know anyone, but they were really far away. And, um, and I know this might sound so weird, but like, when we were growing up, if we wanted to call, like all of our family was still in Baghdad, like, and so on the weekends, we would try to call to talk to them. And like, you had to like get a calling card and then use the calling card. And then the calling card would call like the badale, the like operator. And then the operator would have to answer and then connect the call to the number that you're calling. And so it would just ring and ring and ring. Like the badale wouldn't answer sometimes. So my mom would just call it and be like, someone hold the phone. And you know, when they answer, pass it to me. And so, you know, even like talking to our family and being connected to our family was always a lot of work. You know, it was, we, we I, and I imagine that my mom and my dad, they were quite young when they came to the US. And so, you know, my mom, I think was she was 27 when we came to the US, you know, and she already had like two kids and she was pregnant. And so, uh, and my dad was just a little bit older than her. So, you know, it's, I imagine that, she was seeking community and wherever we were and seeking to connect with other Arabs. And, um, and I think when you kind of get like taken away from your community and your culture, you know, it's sort of all of the differences that might happen between Arabs in the Arab world sort of become lesser mm -hmm. because you just want like someone that knows your language, you know what I mean? Even if it's not, it's like, 
whatever. It's like Palestine or Lebanon or Syria, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? And so she got really involved in a lot of um, like women's organizations. For work, she worked with the Refugee Women's Network. Um, but, you know, personally, we, we went to like Arabic school on the weekends, which we hated. Um, we, uh, you know, we spoke only Arabic at home. So that's how I was able to maintain my use of the language. But um, she was also part of uh, the Arab American Women's uh, Society, which was like, um, which had like a chapter in Atlanta, which is where we were living at the time. And she was really active in that organization. And so we, that's how we also spent time with other Arab kids, because there would be all functions and talent shows and, you know, whatever, food fairs. And so we would, that was our way of sort of staying connected to our culture and meeting other Arab kids. And um, and so there was a certain point where she was like, I think the vice president of the organization, you know, she was very active and they got the opportunity um, through the uh, museum in Washington, DC to bring this exhibition that had been organized by Sarwa Maqdadi and a couple of other people to sort of travel it to, the, to, to Atlanta. It ended up traveling a lot of places. So, um, so they were like the, so her or the organization uh, the Arab American uh, Women's Society was like the host of Forces of Change, the name of the exhibition, in Atlanta. And so my mom was really involved in like coordinating and like they had found the venue, but the association, the women's group was sort of like the like hospitality group, right? Because they all spoke Arabic and a lot of the artists came and they took them out to dinner and did all the stuff. So, you know, my mom was really involved. So we got to go to the opening. And uh and so, yeah, I think I was probably like 14, I think, when that happened. And the way that that made an impact on me was that I, I, I think that art can be really impactful when people can see themselves in it, when they can really like have a relation to it. And, you know, you always go to museums, but like, you don't, you know, if you see anything that has to do with our culture, and I'll say our culture of the Middle East, it's often things that are antiquities, which are beautiful. I love them. I studied like ancient Mesopotamia. I, I, but it's not contemporary, right? It's not connected to our everyday life. So I think that exhibition made an impact on me because it was all women and they were all Arab women artists. And the work was like really captivating. It was lots of different medium and texture and color and, and, and style. Um, and several of the artists were there. So like I have the catalog and then they all like signed it for me. And so I think for me, there was like some kind of, um, through that exhibition, be, the ability to feel pride in my culture. And, um, and it's, 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 it was a time I think too leading up to that where, you know, when we first came here, it was right before the Gulf War. And so, you know, as a young kid, I was very like aware of that. And kids were would tease me about it or like make fun of my name or like ask me like what does your dad do like you know this that like associations to Iraq especially were always negative and so to see something like that and to be able to feel pride in something I think must have meant something to me at the time. I still had no idea that I wanted to like work in museums or anything like that. But I, I think in, I think a lot of those things in life only come in retrospect. Like it's only after lots of time has passed and you can look back that you can draw like, you know, connect the dots and be like, oh, actually this probably was because of this, this and that. Of course, in the moment you have no clue, no idea. 
Um, and the best thing about it is like, I've, I've kept that catalog. I look at it all the time, but also Selwa is an incredible person and has been a kind of, I would say someone that I'm not, I don't regularly speak to, but um, I do keep in touch with. And she has always been very encouraging of me. And, um, and that always means a lot too, to have, um, to have someone that's sort of an unofficial mentor who kind of um, does work that you, you know, strive to do is also really, really nice. So, so yeah, it's, it was a, yeah, it was a special thing that happened, but I had no idea it was happening when it happened. Like really interesting that you say that because I feel like I had um, a similar experience when I visited the Bakhtan Museum um, in the sense that like there is where I found out that the first book ever written was written by a woman and an ancient Mesopotamian woman at that. And for me, having felt like I didn't necessarily resonate with the idea of uh, Arab women that I had already um, like formed in my mind and also I had like, as you said, Iraq is painted in like a very negative light, um, especially like coming from the US. And so for me, it was like an immense source of pride to see that um, this book, it's the first book in recorded history that was like written by a Mesopotamian woman. Like that's so amazing. It's not like the first book written by a woman. It's just the first book period written by an uh, ancient Mesopotamian woman. And that's why I um, ended up starting this podcast, which is to show like current examples of the same type of women, like made out of the same caliber and the same potential. Um, but just those current examples, because I feel like we so often don't see that today and like they're not highlighted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's like a really interesting parallel. Um, and so I guess this like sort of relates where um, your current, I believe it's still coming up, your exhibition um, Stories of Resistance and actually pretty soon. Um, and yeah. so I guess like my question for you is like how art succeeds in telling stories and like what the role of art is in telling the stories of um, different groups of people and like across time even. Yeah, um, that's, it, it sort of depends on, you know, so I think of myself, like, as a curator, I think of myself as someone who uh, is like an interpreter between or mediator between an artist and the public. And I think that that role shifts slightly depending on what the project is. So like, Stories of Resistance is an exhibition that is a group exhibition around a theme that I I have chosen and I have been very like deliberate in. A lot of times exhibitions that I work on where it's one artist, it's really about bringing their vision to fruition and trying to take a bit of a backseat. So I think it really depends on the kind of project that I'm working on. But I think um, with Stories of Resistance, what, what I've done with a couple of shows, so I worked on a show um, a couple years ago in my, previous job called Third Space, Shifting Conversations About Contemporary Art. And similar to that, Stories of Resistance is kind of trying to do the same thing, but in a different way. But I'm really interested in um, how we can all like have these very unique individual experiences in our world, but actually we're a lot more similar than we are different. And I think that comes out of all of these things that are very personal for me, like my own personal journey and my experience and being somebody who like sits at this intersection in like America, but as an Arab who, um, you know, I've worked in a lot of different contexts, you know, both in the US and outside. And I think all of those things have made me realize that 
wherever I am, people always think that their issues in that place are like their issues and very insular. And I'm interested in thinking about how actually that's not the case, that there's so many connections between places that are very disparate. So, you know, for stories of resistance, it was really honing in on this idea of acts of resistance and that, you know, acts of resistance and organization, for example, in Palestine can influence like what happens in the Black Lives Matter movement. And the Black Lives Matter movement is, you know, influences what happens in the protests in Hong Kong. And that like all of these things are, are connected, you know, like Arab Spring and Tiananmen Square, like surely the Arab Spring organizers look to Tiananmen Square, right? So these things are not separate. They don't happen in a vacuum. They really are interconnected. So, so that's kind of what the exhibition is about. It's hoping to bring these stories around individual works of art together to tell a larger story of a shared human experience, essentially, you know. Um, and Third Space did that in a different way, but that was sort of looking more geographically at like, um, you know, like I was living in Birmingham, Alabama, and, you know, that's really, really the South. And they're very, very like, we're the South, this is the South. It's a very insular idea of all the problems of the South, but the South of America is definitely part of, I think what is kind of termed as the global South, um, because a lot of the issues of the global South are very similar to the American South. So like in that exhibition, I was looking at how do you draw those connections? How can you look at the American South and talk about it in context with within the context of the global South? So I think there's something that happens in my interests around art that are about teasing out these connections, but not letting myself be the primary voice, but letting, you know, selecting artists. I'm often drawn to artists who are interested in a research-based practice. They're interested in, um, you know, uh, making those voices that are often unheard, you know, like a place for them to be amplified. Um, so I think that those things all kind of come together and that's how these sort of different exhibitions come to be. So uh, just as a follow-up, I guess, do you see yourself as a storyteller? I, I guess you would have to, like, when you put together exhibitions and, like, how do you, um, just, like, coming from a position of not knowing that much about, like, curating exhibitions, right? Um, I guess, how do you reconcile with the fact that you're you're not the one making the art, yet you try and tell a story? So it's, like, a very interesting like you have to choose the right pieces but it might not mean that to the artist it might not mean the same thing to them that it might mean to you and so I guess I'm just a bit more curious about like how you put together a story of somebody else's work not yeah yeah I think I think in a situation like this there's um there's kind of like a loose idea that I'm interested in that I think would be interesting to the place that I'm working at, the people that visit my museum, the communities I'm trying to serve. And I try to keep it like my processes, I would say, you know, I was really interested in thinking about resistance, but I didn't really understand at the beginning of this project what that meant. And so then I started like looking at artists who have practices that I'm interested in and reading about works that they make. And so it's this sort of like back and forth negotiation of like, you know, oh, I really like this, you know, I really like this artist's work. She's you know, she's talking about this woman who was a journalist, but then she joined the PKK and she's fighting, you know, to um, support like 
you know, Kurdish rights in Turkey. That's really interesting to me. Okay, yes, I'm gonna hold on to that one. Okay, what else is out there? And then it's like these things just kind of build because I, I am really careful about like not wanting to assert my voice about someone's work because I think it's really important that we respect kind of the integrity and the intention that the artist has of the work. And that's the thing about working with contemporary art is that you could talk to them, right? They're alive, they're there. So you can say, is this what you meant? You know, and, and then it's sort of like, I'm doing the show. It's about these themes. Do you feel like this work makes sense? So all of it is like, it, it doesn't, it's not about forcing it there. You know, it's really about trying to select the artist and the work so that everything sort of is like, supporting each other to tell a story. And so it is It is a storytelling type of a exercise, but I wouldn't say that I'm like the, I may be the initiator, but it's not about my dominant voice, even though it is about, it is my idea and I'm making a lot of the selections, you know? So I clearly am part of that process, but I hope that the work itself is the thing telling the story. And I'm just like the orchestrator of it. You know, like I'm the person that brings the parts together, but then the parts themselves are the ones that tell the story. Does that make sense? Kind of, maybe? Yeah, no, completely. I, I was just really interested. I mean, I think you explained it perfectly on how like, yeah, you really did explain it perfectly. Like I completely understand <laughs> like how um, you approach that now. And it's very interesting to learn about your creative process. And um, yeah, so um one so um one other exhibition that i believe you worked on was at the metaf in Kazar, and that was the century of modern art exhibition with nadasha boot who i actually have reached out to um for this podcast and cool. um and so i was wondering how um well how you approach one working with a team a bit differently um, I know this was also a later question, but I guess since you're working yeah. with a team in this situation, like how working in a team varies um, than working individually and what you were trying to convey um, with this exhibition. Yeah, so um, so that exhibition was the first exhibition of Metaf's collection. Um, and um, so the title of the show, Sejil, A Century uh, of Modern Art, was from, so Sejil is inspired by a Mahmoud Darwish poem um, that he wrote about being Palestinian, where he says, says the, the, the full phrase is Sejil and Arabi. And so it was, it was our inspiration for thinking about trying to make a first attempt at a survey exhibition of modern art by Arab artists. So, you know, Madhaf, the origin, the, the inception of the museum was um, based off of a collection uh, of work that had been um, sort of initially collected by His Excellency Sheikh Hassan Adzani. Um, and he, he sort of had the collection transferred to the government so that it could be used to start a, a museum. He was passionate about creating a museum that told the story of modern and contemporary art from the, from the region of the Middle East, uh, the Arab world. And so his collection was made up of works from Arab speaking countries, essentially, originally. It, it later expanded to include Iran and Turkey and India, you know, it, the collection grew, but 
the very initial part of it was that. And so, you know, he had this, he had this, would say, you know, travel and you go to the, you go to museums all over the world. And when you get to modern and contemporary, it's always from this Western point of view. What if, what, what about, what about our part of the world? There's modern art here, there's, you know, and contemporary art. And so he, his mission was to kind of go and collect and meet and try to bring together all of, as much as he could work from that, from those people before, as what he would say before, we didn't have them around anymore, you know? Um, and so it was a difficult project because we were like doing something that had no precedent. There hasn't really been like a canon of modern Arab art written. So we don't have, we don't, we have, we had a lot of reference points, but we didn't have like a cohesive, like ref, like canon to refer to. So it felt like we were, sort of having to make it as we were going along. Um, and a lot has changed since then. Like Matav had its 10 year anniversary, which was crazy this past December. And so, you know, scholarship has definitely progressed. Things have changed, but you know, when we set out to do this, um, we knew that there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of research and materials, but we also understood that they were sort of spread out all over the Arab world. You know, um, there wasn't like a central place where you could be like, okay, here's all this info, I'm gonna go there, right? So so that was the challenge of that project. Um, and I had gone there to, I was kind of the first person that got there to like work on the museum and the collection. And we knew that when we wanted to open the museum, we wanted to do an exhibition of the collection. So we were gonna have, make this attempt to have like a survey of it, which is, why we reached out to someone like Dr. Neda Shabut because she, you know, she was already doing a lot of that work and she was also working with a lot of graduate students who were doing similar work. So we knew that we needed someone like her, like sort of art historical expertise. So her and Dina and myself worked together. Um, you know, almost everything I've, actually everything I've ever done has been collaborative. I've never really, done anything like totally on my own. I think that working in a collaborative fashion is just how I prefer to work because I feel like I like to talk things through and like I like to have a back and forth and I and I sometimes feel like it is in conversation with colleagues and others that ideas get better, that new ideas come out. So I prefer to work with other people. So it was it was a difficult process, and I'll I'll tell you that it was difficult not only because the exhibition and the information was hard because you know we had this thousands of objects that hadn't been like photographed, recorded, documented. Like we didn't have like a database. So the first thing I did, kind of before we really even started curating, was hire someone to come on board and build a database for us. And, you know, we took, a, I like me and him and another person took a picture of every work and took the dimensions that, you know, all of that kind of basic work around the collection hadn't been done. We couldn't really carry the show until we had done the work of, okay, what's in this collection, you know? Not to mention, we also did conservation because some of the work needed to be treated. So there was a lot of things that led up to the actual exhibition itself. Um, but we were also opening a museum. So we were like making a building and like hiring staff and figuring out what our name should be and branding the museum. So there were a lot of things that were happening at the same time, uh, which made that project a challenge. But 
it was also super exciting. Like, how do we take all this information and how do we tell some kind of a story? And so, you know, if you if you do have a ever have a chance to see the book or whatever, like we decided to organize the show into sort of themes, like really loose themes, like landscape, portraiture, so that we could have some way of grouping the works together to tell a story or tell a narrative. Um, so it was it was definitely difficult, but I think it was the start of a lot of hopefully what I think now has happened is like subsequent work to further build and research and, and expand on the very initial, I mean, I think we barely scratched the surface, you know, it's just kind of like, let's just get this out there so people know that it's here. And hopefully that will be an invitation for people to come and want to do research and start going deeper into all of this work. It's so interesting to hear how you actually like prefer collaborative work because um, I mean, I don't know. I just like for when I immediately think of like a creative process, it, it tends to be like an individual thing. I mean, not always, um, but that I, yeah. I just imagine that it would actually be more difficult for you to work with a team of people um, when curating. But uh, it's really interesting to hear that it's actually. It, you know, I'll tell you, like, if there's too many people, then it's really hard. So like, I was a curator for, uh, I was a part of the team of curators for the Gwangju Biennale in South Korea, and there were six of us. And it was difficult because there was no hierarchy. We were like six equal. And so it's like, it was painful because it was like, don't quote me on this. This is like just for us. But like, you know, it was like a back and, you know, we could never come to consensus. And then as soon as we thought we would come to consensus and someone would sort of have a different opinion and then we'd have to go back to the drawing board. So in the case where there's six people, like I think they're just, if there's hierarchy and someone has to just call the shots, then I think it would work. But when it's a smaller team, um, as long as you have the right people around the table, I think it works, you know, as long as you have a structure in place, it works because, you know, I, I really think that the projects I've worked on would not be as successful as, or I wouldn't feel as good about them if I had not had the people who collaborated with me on. And I, I like to collaborate, not just with people who are like other curators. Like I like to collaborate with people who do other things. Like in Birmingham, we did the project and we collaborated with like, it was the librarian and myself and someone from development. Like we just sort of like, you know, cross departmentally because I think, you know, everyone brings something different to the table. And when, when you could have a lot of differing points of view, I feel like it just, it makes a project so much better, so much well-rounded. Cause sometimes if you're just in your head and you're also like the art person and you're already like, it's all you're thinking about. It's really hard to like zoom out and remember like, wait a minute, like someone, someone may know nothing about this. Like I haven't thought about that, you know? So I, I think it's also my nature. I have two sisters. I'm, you know, like someone who just loves to like be with a bunch of people and just like chat it away. And like, what do you think? What do you think? Here's what I think. Let's put some post-its up. You know, like that's just kind of my, that's my personality too. Cool. Um, I, so I guess this is sort of a broad question, but um, I like it seems uh, in like, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that like part of the reason why you care about um, Arab art today is the fact that it's always um, like more towards like ancient Arab art that's being shown off in less like contemporary and modern art. Um, and I guess like I was wondering what you thought 
makes Arab art special, whether or not it's like ancient, contemporary, modern, like, um, is there anything that makes it unique in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, I equally think that, you know, I'm interested in both like art of the past and art of the present. Like I, I think I mentioned that earlier when I first started on my career, I, I thought I wanted to go into academia. And so I decided like I was going to just teach, try to learn like ancient and then Islamic, like basically chronological. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to learn, do ancient, then I'm going to do Islamic, which is what I did my master's at SOAS in. And then I'm going to try to do my PhD and I'm going to do that in contemporary, modern and contemporary. So I could like, you know, because I felt like uh, so much modern art from the Arab world references the past. And, and because those artists were seeking to find their own visual language by looking at their own history, like going to the, you know, Baghdad Museum to like look at those antiquities. So I felt like, oh, I need to know those things. So um, so I, I, I find value in all of it. I have, I do love, I mean, I did my master's in um, manuscripts, in Arabic manuscripts, and I just, I love that stuff it's like I can geek out on it all day but um but I so I think I find value in all of it but I guess what I will say is that I am also very um careful and very weary of trying to put sort of labels on contemporary art um because um I try to follow the lead of the artist so if the artist chooses to identify as an Arab artist or identify as a female or you know then that's 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 what it is. Sometimes the work itself speaks for itself, but I, I would I would be weary to compartmentalize or organize the work of those artists as Arab art. And the reason I feel that way is because I want everyone to be able to participate in in, in the art world, as opposed to like Chinese contemporary art and Arab contemporary art and Indian contemporary art and American contemporary art, right? We don't really live in that world. That, that's not reflective of the world that we live in today, right? The way that we move, okay, pre-COVID, the way that we move, the way that we, you know, the way in which people live in multiple cities or move all the time or communicate now in all these different ways, you know, it's difficult to kind of like put something in a in a box. And so that would be my that would just be my like warning label of like, I'm I'm not comfortable saying like, I think Arab contemporary art is great because da 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 because I don't wanna talk about it that way. I don't want to limit those artists to that label. I want them to be contemporary artists. And if they're also Arab, great, you know, but, but I, I don't want them to feel like they have to be, because what happens a lot of times in museums now is that in order for contemporary art from other places to get collected by museum collections, it is it is the curators working in the antiquity sections collecting the contemporary art instead of the contemporary curator. And I've always found that to be very frustrating because you know if you are um, you know make if you are you know an an Iraqi painter making paintings and the Met doesn't, I'm not saying the Met does this, but like whatever, X museum, you know, the Islamic art curator is acquiring your work for that collection. I find that to be a problem because those are not your peers. 
and, you know, your peers are contemporary artists. You should be in the contemporary collection at the X Museum, not in the Islamic collection. Because once your work is collected by the Islamic curator, then it only gets shown in that collection area. And that's a problem because the Islamic collection, which a lot of people mistake and think it has to do with religion, but it's about the Islamic civilization. It's about the Islamic empire, which is a time period, not, you know, like there are things in the Islamic civilization that are Jewish and Christian. You know what I mean? Like you just can't, you can't take something that is a past term or past way of looking at something and then shove a contemporary artist into that, right? So, and that happens with other things too. It happens with African art. It happens, you know, with Chinese art. And I think that's a, a disservice to the artist. You know, I think you make like a really, really good point and one that I just hadn't considered before. Um, like one, you saying that and like two, me asking the question. Um, but yeah, I think that that like I that is seriously like a lens under which I've never considered um, like looking at contemporary yeah, contemporary Arab artists, but I think it's um, a very good one because I think that is part of the problem with um, their art not being shown, like, or, yeah, I mean, I think it's only fair that their art gets shown with, like, the rest of every contemporary artist, like, in terms of time period as opposed to place, which, um, and I think you're also right in saying that it's not fair to group people into um, one place based on geography as opposed to, like, what sort of art they're making and just like mm -hmm. the individual that they are um so yeah i yeah i i really yeah, i mean sometimes sometimes it works because it's the theme of what you're doing so like yeah. you know uh last year i think it was like ps1 moma did the exhibition about the gulf war you know and so like in that case like that that makes sense right it's part of a theme those are the artists that they're you know trying to look at all of that makes total sense to me you know like but it's only like when it's sort of like more about like, I don't know, trying to, because what it does is it feels like it's this, it's trying to distill something into like a one-liner, you know what I mean? And like, we all know, you know, as Arabs that our culture is not, you can't distill it that way, right? Like there's so many nuances to, um, to our culture um, that you can't just like slap a label on it like that. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that you're right in saying it happens also with like Asian and like African cultures, just because like, it, there's a lot of, it's like a really large umbrella term to use the word like Arab or Asian or African, like that's just referring to, I mean, yeah, it's referring to a really large group of different ethnicities and very distinct and different heritages mm -hmm. and histories. So I think it's very important to um, let people like maintain their individuality so yeah yeah um and so on to the next which is um so you have referenced a few of them but you've held a wide variety of positions in your career um and so i was wondering like how you approach working in different um, places and institutions and also if there's anything that um connects the work that you've done at like such various places like yeah yeah um I think I talked a little bit earlier about like how a lot of the work that I'm interested in doing is connected. So I think that's kind of the same, that would be my same answer to this question. Like, I think that I'm really interested in 
finding ways to um, to bring voices that may not often be heard or have space um, have been given the space, you know, to speak or or be present. Um, and I'm interested in making connecting local and global themes to help tease out this idea that we are a lot more connected than we think, right? Like, I think that's something that I'm finding is like a theme in a lot of the projects and artists that I'm interested in. Um, each of the places, every time I work in a different place, I mean, each place is, so I work now in a museum that does not have a collection. And that's the first, this is my first job where there is no collection. Every place I've worked before this, there has been a collection. So that's been interesting and new, a new learning experience for me. Um, but I think the thing that I try to do in each place that I go is really find ways to connect with the place that I'm in, um, which you know doesn't work as well when you're doing like a short-term project. So like if you're invited to do like a Biennale or something like that, that's a bit harder because you're don't you unfortunately they don't ever really give you like an extended amount of time to stay there. And so you do feel a bit like, yeah, you're parachuting in. Um, but and that was that was kind of my experience. But I think there are other things to learn from those opportunities. But in terms of like job jobs, what I what I'm interested in doing is kind of like getting there and understanding the place. Like what is the city like what you know what is the landscape who's here who's coming to our museum who's not coming to our museum i really am interested in the audience like i'm not i'm not really kind of curating like for myself as much as i'm curating for what i hope people want to see or want to hear or I feel like it's my responsibility, like as a person who works at public institutions, like I feel like I'm a public servant, like my job is to think about what the public might want. And so those are kind of the areas I try to think about. So like with stories of resistance, you know, I, I felt a lot since I've been in St. Louis that this is a city that kind of has a like an electric grassroots energy, you know, um, and so I've so that's that's kind of how I came to the theme of, of resistance, you know, like it wasn't like totally random or, you know, um, so I try to think about how to anchor the projects in the place that I'm in, even though the projects might be like looking out far, like even if it's like an international or global artist or idea, I'm interested in like, you know, you can look out, but then how do you like bring it in? How do you process it from like the the place in which your feet stand, where you're grounded. Um, because I do believe context changes the way things are, you know, like you can look at the same work in a different city and it can mean something totally different than what it would mean here or in New York or in Cape Town or in Cairo, you know? So that's that's what I'm interested in. Like, how can how can we think about making art have meaning for people, you know, whether it's to do what Forces of Change did for me, like to create spaces for people to see themselves and feel pride, or it's a place to challenge people to think about, I don't know, the world they live in or, or 
confirm their feelings about something or to just be really happy. Like sometimes it's about like just creating spaces that make people laugh, you know, like during COVID we, we had a, an exhibition up by an artist, um, Rachel Yoon, and the work was just, it had humor and it brought people joy. And that was the feedback that we got. So yeah, I think the public and, and thinking about the public is something that I am really interested in when I think about what it means to do the work that I do. And so that changes from place to place, right? Like, um, you know, there are different nuances and histories um, and art landscapes. Like in Birmingham, there weren't as many arts organizations. In St. Louis, there are several arts organizations here. So how do we position the work that we do in relation to our neighbor, which is the Pulitzer Arts Foundation, or the St. Louis Art Museum, which is the big collecting museum. Um, so all of those things kind of have to do with context and place. I'm not sure if this is like a little bit of a dumb question, but do you, I, like, I don't, I'm just not sure, but like, do you think when you're curating, you look for what the audience wants to hear or what you'd like to tell them? No, it's not a dumb question at all. Um, I, I don't think it's about like what I want them to hear. I think it's more like about an open invitation because I, I think contemporary art, I don't think that there are wrong ways to interpret contemporary art. I think that when you see something you are going to bring yourself, to, you're going to see it through your lens, your personal experience. So I can't tell you that that's the wrong way to look at something. You know, like you may look at it and be like, this is how this makes me feel. And I might have a completely different experience of how it makes me feel. But that's because we're both different people. Even though we might have some things in common, we are also, we have different experiences in life. So I think that it's it's neither. I think it's about creating an invitation and making the space for interpretation and not having really any judgment, you know? Like it's not about expecting someone to walk away with something concrete. Like, I don't want you to leave the show and tell, knowing the history of blah, 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 right? Like it's, there's too much, I think with more historical types of exhibitions, there, there are specific things, right? There's a year something happened or there's an instant, you know, but with contemporary art, with this kind of work, there's so much space for imagination and interpretation. And, and so I, I feel like it's just like, how do you just create the safe space for those kinds of things to happen that feel inviting and make people feel like they can find a way to connect. Like, I don't even care if you don't get the show, but if you leave and feel like you connected with something, even if you can't describe it, great. You know, that's to me, that's successful, you know? That's so um, cool and interesting to hear it, like, especially from your perspective and like coming from someone where my mom, like similarly growing up, is like really into art and like um, was always like dragging me around to like art museums and galleries and whatnot and like, I, like for a long time I did not particularly enjoy it um and I always used to be like um well I don't even know if like what I'm looking at means what I think I it, like it means yeah. I just don't know what's going on but it's like 
and now obviously my perspective towards art is like very different and I appreciate it in different regards. Um, but I, at the time, I think it would have been reassuring to hear that it doesn't really matter how you, it, it really it, it is up to interpretation. And so um, it means whatever it means to you. And I think that that was a really nice thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'm, so first like congratulations on um, the Armory show. And then um, I'm not sure how much, yeah, I'm not sure how much you're allowed to share, but I was just wondering if you could share a little bit um, about like your goal with this year's Armory show and whether or not you intend on incorporating any aspects of like the past year, like perhaps like the pandemic or social justice movements into um, like the message you wanna try and convey. Yeah, so this is my first time really doing anything like this. I've, I haven't really done any, you know, and it's kind of strange, but like the art world has these weird like like lines around like commercial world versus non-commercial world. And so it's the first time I'm sort of really being getting involved in an art fair. Um, so that's interesting. It's an interesting process for me. Um, I so what happens is when they invite they invited me they asked me to um, like kind of think of a theme um, to for gallerists to consider when making an application for this section. So um, so I came I kind of proposed uh, a theme about which is I wanted it to be kind of loose because the process of putting this together is it's not quite like curating an exhibition because you know there is an application process and galleries have to apply and so you you have to you you choose but you choose from a pool of who's applied you know so um so so i think that is that has its limitations right so i wanted to have um a kind of like a, a larger more maybe looser theme that we could potentially like hone in on once we knew who it applies, who applies and how we select them or who gets selected. I, I get to select them, but like how, how, who ends up being in that pot, then we can narrow the seat down. So basically I, exactly what you were just saying about like what has happened in the last year, I was just thinking like maybe the theme could be something about looking forward into the future. So that's kind of the, the theme that I put out was like, you know, how can we think about the future? Often artists help us imagine the future. Um, and so what if we made the theme kind of loosely uh, about looking forward into the future? Um, and that can be like next year future, that can be 10 years, that can be like 150,000 years, I don't know. Like it can be, you know, speculative, it can be science fiction, it can be like global warming is real and I'm making a body of work about it, right? So I wanted it to be really loose because I wanted to then say, okay, once we get all of the selections, maybe we'll narrow it down, maybe we won't, maybe we'll just keep it really open. I was just like kind of scared about like, if I make it too, like narrow, then it's gonna feel like things are shoehorned in that don't really make sense. And then I'm gonna have to like explain why something is in the theme, but it really isn't, you know? So um, so anyways, yeah, I, I, we, they have not announced the, the galleries that have been selected yet. So I can't talk about that, but, but the theme is public. So that's kind of like the theme is about looking forward and looking into the future. So, and there's been really great applications. So I'm excited about how it's gonna come together. 
I'm excited too. I will be sure to come visit. I was um, there last year. So yay. Yeah. Um, yeah cool. I'm about that. Um, and then finally, I was just curious to know whether or not you've um, experimented with being an artist yourself. I have not. I, um, there are certainly colleagues and friends of mine who are also artists or were artists, but um, I have always been sort of on the like art history research you know, side of it. I've, I've, I've certainly taken classes. I think when I was doing my undergraduate um, and I majored in art history, um, they, they required us to take a couple of studio classes. And I remember being so mad about that because I was like, oh my God, I'm in these classes with like people who are majoring in art and we have to put our stuff up on the wall for Chris <laughs> and like life drawing my stuff was still life drawing. My stuff looks like, crap. I can't, I can't capture dimension. I don't understand how light works at all. Like it just doesn't work. I mean, I can look at something and tell you if it's working, but I can't make it. So I am really grateful though. And I would give this advice to like anyone who was gonna go down a similar path is like, it's really is helpful to take those classes even though it's painful because I was so bad, but like it's helpful because and then I ended up taking a bunch of them. I did like a water race media class. I did like a metal smith class. I, later I did pottery of my own because I, I realized that I grew, I learned to appreciate the process and the material. And it helped me when I look at art, if you know how something feels, you know, you when you look at it, you have a different way of understanding it so for me personally I'm a very visual tactile like physical person so to know like oh my gosh you know like when I look at a watercolor painting that's like super precise I'm like how the heck did they do that like the water drips everywhere and it's like so hard to control and like it seeps into the paper and you know it just it helps you understand the material in a way that you you know I personally couldn't understand if I didn't at least try to play with it so so no, I've never, I've never claimed to be an artist. Um, maybe the closest is like making photographs. I've always been interested in making photographs and I've had a camera and my dad used to take a lot of photographs. So that, that's something I've been interested in, but I would not, never call myself an artist. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you so, so, so much for taking the time to speak with me. It was an awesome time for me. And of I like course. Um, yeah, I really just feel so lucky to have gotten the chance to speak to you. So thank you. Um, of course. So will you be editing this into a, a into a podcast episode? Yes, I will. Um, I'm current. Okay. So I can send you the link. What's in up? If you'd like. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Make me sound good. Don't don't take out the things I said that aren't good. <laughs> no, <I'm> really... <laughs> um, yeah, you're perfect the whole time. Um, so thank cool. you. Cool. So well, thank you. And, um, you know, stay in touch. And I don't know when travel happens again, but I'd love to meet in person if we ever have an opportunity to do that. So if the, is the exhibition, I mean, it would be in person, right? This at the Armory Show? Yeah, I mean, if hopefully everything is good with COVID and we can travel. And yeah, the hope is that I'll be able to be out there for that. So, so maybe um, I'll meet you there. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. Good luck with getting all of your, you're making all of your decisions that you'll be making in the next couple of months about yeah. your future. It will be very exciting, whatever you decide. Exciting's one way to put it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
it's definitely um a pretty stressful process but exciting too yeah yeah it will be exciting once you get past yeah exactly once i know where i'm going to school next year everything will be exciting to me you're almost there you're so close you're so 